the Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Stop you, Scott. Oh, please. Hey, hey, don't stop me now. Hey, I'm not gonna stop now you. Now don't man. stop me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the Trilogy Podcast. It's the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight to cable, only legit trilogies. We're bringing them to you. We're bringing facts, debate, trivia, and more to hell with the movie if they made four. How's it going, Ben? How you doing today? Things are great, Scott. You couldn't be a little more enthusiastic in our sound off there? You seemed moribund. I was remembering all the words, is what I was saying. <laughs> I know you were. I saw you struggling with it. You're a trained actor, though. You got them all. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, there. everyone, to the Trilogy Podcast. What's going on? This is going to be a tricky one today, because the kind of trilogy that we're exploring today is really sort of on the edge of what a trilogy is. Uh, right. Some people wouldn't even call this an actual trilogy. It's kind of marginal. And when we get to this kind of trilogy, it's going to be debatable, my friend. Debatable. Yeah. And I think, you know what? We should go against what we usually do and just say what the trilogy is now. Quickly. Yeah, because I think anything we say about it is only going to be confusing if you don't. Three Flavors Cornetto Cornetto. Trilogy. Including Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and... The world's, <laughs> world's end. end. The world's end. Those three films. Yes. All of them directed by Edgar Wright. And it is, well, you know what? We're going to do this fast today because if we don't explain the kind of trilogy it is via our friend, a trilogy bot. Yes. No this one is, will understand. This is all right? a crucial one. It's clutch. Okay, so trilogy bot, explain to us how Three Flavors Cornetto, um, how it is a trilogy, what kind of trilogy it is. Go, my friend. Three Flavors Cornetto is a director's trilogy. The connected tone and themes that the director brings to each of these films, plus the claim that they all exist within the same universe, define this type of trilogy. Usually a motif exists throughout these trilogies, and while the stories and characters are different, the director often chooses to use the same actors and location. Usually declared a trilogy after the fact, when viewed as an artistic phase in a director's life. Now, please, stick it up your asses guys. Trilogy bot makes a lot of sense. He's got an attitude, though. He sure, yeah. Sarcasm. Well, yeah, he's salty. Gets a little salt. You like to use that expression, salty. Yeah, well, when someone's salty, I think they deserve it. A robot know? would corrode his circuits too it's much like, salt. It's like, you know, imagine a pretzel without salt and then a pretzel with salt. It's completely it's two separate things. Exactly. You, I wouldn't even call a pretzel without salt a pretzel. Salt is at least 40% of a pretzel. Yeah, it's like the baker just gave up halfway through. Was yeah, like, he's like, You'll eat whatever. It's bread, you fat bitch. Just... <laughs> it's bread, and I twisted it. Um, these kind of trilogies wind up being better than regular trilogies. I think they're less challenging because they're not about continuing a narrative, not about continuing right. a story. And continue keeping interest in the same characters. Exactly. They wind up being three separate films, and oftentimes the director anoints them a trilogy after the fact. He's made a series of good films, and that's a trilogy because it represents a time of his life. Right. Um, Thematically, often they're connected because it has to do with something the the director wants to get out as a message or what he's trying right. to say as a director. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times, of course, the same actors, not the same characters, but the same actors are used over and over again yeah. to tell this story. I, I think as these guys, like, you know, uh, 
Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, is, they started getting more of a career, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's why it almost becomes like a trilogy, because you're like, well, they're going to be doing all these other projects. Edgar Wright is becoming a bigger deal as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's kind of the thing, like, we did that together. That was our collab. Not that they don't still collaborate in no, some No, but they way. built off of one another. So the first movie Sean right. did that was a giant hit. It was huge. So right. these guys wanted to work again, but work in a different genre. Second exactly. time as a cop, a cop film. Right. All right. Once the second one was done, it was only after that that they decided to make a third one and call it a trilogy. It wasn't right. going to be a trilogy, I think, until after um, Hot Fuzz was done. Um, I looked it up, and uh, they, they were on a press junket, and they were questioned about the whole idea of the Cornetto ice cream motif. And right. we should probably explain. But we should probably explain what For, that. Yeah, people who don't know. Cornetto is, is an ice cream brand in England, I guess, or is it in this country too? A Cornetto, it's like uh, it's like a king cone. Here. Like a king cone. Now we yeah. have the king cones here in New York City. You don't see the Cornettos, yeah. I guess, around we have, here. There's king cones, and then there's another one too. That's... But they're the ready-made cones. You right. You unwrap the, the, them the, the in layers. The cone. That's the whole thing. Is that right. it has different three different layers, flavors. Just one Cornetto. In the first one, he purchases it um, what from the convenience store during right. the first the zombie deal. Yeah. In the second one, we see a, we see actually a Cornetto two separate times, and the third one it's done deliberately to, deliberately to sort of continue that motif. We see it at the far end of the movie, flying right. against like just the fence. right at the end, right? At, that, you know, yeah. different flavor every single time. The first one red, the second one blue, the third one green. Right. All right. Each representing uh, sort of different layer or different. Ideas in the films. Uh, I think right. the red, the blood from the zombies, the blue, the cop, the green, right. the aliens. Before we go any further, just run down the plots for us, Scott, so that we can know exactly where we stand. Yeah, okay. Do that. All right. So the, these are the uh, sort of bare bones, bare bones plots. Uh, Realize you did them movies. in the subway on the way here. You're uh, no one. Yes, here we go. Uh, so we're going to start, of course, with Shaun of the Dead. Mm. In London, a slacker blows it with his girlfriend and drowns his sorrow from the breakup at his favorite pub with his fat friend. When they wake, they find the zombie apocalypse is upon them. They escape their house and make a plan to save the slacker's ex-girlfriend and his mom, ending at his favorite pub. The Winchester, Scott. The Winchester. Well, I don't want to be specific in these rundowns. Well... They reach the pub, but the zombies prove to be too much for them, and only the slacker and his girlfriend survive. Mm. That's bare bones, all right. Trying to trying to be as bare bones as possible, you You're know? You're saying that as if I asked you to be bare bones in that way, but no one said to be that bare in That's the That's been the entire thing. Well, these are really bare. Go I mean, I've, every episode I have, I've done a r- stripped-down version the mom of the there. You're not mentioning the stepfather, the relationship with the girlfriend, the fact that the girlfriend has broken up with him, and this I is all happening. I figured we have a lot of time to talk about that in the rest of the podcast. No, and... we don't, Scott. So go on to the second film. Okay. Good Lord. Here we go. It's called what? It's called Hot Fuzz. In London, a cop is transferred to a quaint village where there appears to be no crime. But then, a string of suspicious accidents lead the cop to believe that something sinister is afoot, and he begins investigating him, them as murders. He soon, <laughs> he soon finds that the murders are part of a townwide conspiracy to make the town presentable for award consideration. He takes down pretty much the whole town and stays as the new chief of police. Vaguely better 
insofar as there really isn't much of a plot at all to the second one. Right. Yes. I mean, no. there's not, you know. I was surprised that it was that. There long. are very few secondary characters, so. Yeah, I was just going to say plot lines, uh, right? cop movie, you know, and then that would have been fine. Okay. Cop movie. All right, so that was Hot Fuzz. Moving right along to The World's End. In London, a recovering addict decides to get all his childhood friends back together to go on a pub crawl in their hometown. Along the way, they discover the town has ever been, been take- in a pub crawl. Pub crawl, Scott. A pub crawl? Yeah, ever been been on one? I I mean, not like an official one. Like I've 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 bar hopped. Well, that's not a pub crawl. Scott. I mean, it's sort of. You should have just said no. No. Go on. <laughs> For the record, no. Right, Apparently, keeping, I have not. I'm keeping that record. All right. Uh, I'm just going to start that one over because I have no idea where I was now. Yeah. Uh, so, this is The World's End. In London, a recovering addict decides to get all his childhood friends back together to go on a pub crawl in their hometown. Along the way, they discover the town has been taken over by alien robots. They continue the pub crawl to not arouse suspicion, but end up fighting their way through the town to safety. After they defeat the robots, all of the world's technology goes out, creating a post-apocalyptic society where the addict is like British Road Warrior. All right. And that's your your plot run. How is it possible that we've encountered yet another film that has something taking place in a post-apocalyptic, it's a very popular dystopian world. It's we a very popular. Uh, like every film has that somewhere. Yeah. Name any of the podcasts we've done so far that don't involve any kind of dystopian Taken. future. Taken is the only one, really. And Liam's future as a man is dystopian in its own way <laughs> so it's close enough everyone's trying to kill me in eastern Europe it's already a dystopian future I'll kill them before they kill me <laughs> don't go to eastern Europe it's like Stay it's going away. to be in 2060 <laughs> all the rich will be just paying for things with poor people using poor people as, as, currency. as currency want to buy a loaf of bread here's a slave's finger <laughs> all right he has two and a half people. <laughs> he has two and a half people. And now I'm going to start my new car. Pardon? Come in. Hi. Hi, how's it going? What seems to be the problem? I've contracted AIDS. How did you get that? From an African prostitute. I think it's most instructive to really just kind of talk about what these films you know, have in common. Shaun of the Dead, 2004. It's the first one. Hot Fuzz, 2007. The World's End, 2013. The common actors, primarily in these three films, are Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And the director, of course, is Edgar Wright. All right? Mm -hmm. Um, There are other actors who are in all three of these films. Nobody gigantic except for maybe Martin Freeman, who, of course, we're going to be talking about in depth when we get to The Hobbit. He is Bilbo Baggins. Right. He is Jim from The Office. Is is his theme Jim in the British uh, office? It's Tim. Tim, all right, Tim, pardon me, in the office. Um, So he's also a continuing character. And he's Watson on Sherlock as well. With uh, Lucy Liu? No, Sherlock, the British one, with Benedict Cumberbatch. Another one of the minor characters worth mentioning that pops up in all three is Bill... How do you pronounce the last name? I've always pronounced it Nye. Nye? Yeah, kind of. So he's the stepfather in the first one in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. In um, Fuzz, he is the main police guy. He's the inspector... Uh, general or whatever. Right. And then um, 
World's End, he's the voice of the alien presence. Right. So I think he's worth mentioning because he's kind of interesting. He kind of plays large yeah. parts in all three Oh, I movies. mean, yeah, and I think they were kind of blown away that he even was in the first one. Right. With them. Like, wow, building. He's a big name. In he is? Yeah. He's, what else has he been in? He's known. He is? He's been in a ton of shit. Well, tell me something he's been in. He was in... Um, I don't even know what you're... Trying to think off the top of my head, because now I keep oh. just thinking about all three of these movies. Come on, man. But, uh... I've never... He's in... Uh, he was in... Like, he, he was in, like, um... If you say a superhero film, I'm going to punch you no, in the face. No, 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 no. He's like a real actor and real stuff. Okay, we'll come, we'll come back to yeah. that. Um, so, of course, the big names, though, are Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. All right? Sure. Now, Simon Pegg, the Star Trek films, where he plays the Scotty character, is that? Yeah, he's, right? uh, yeah, Scotty. And uh, Mission Impossible. Yes. Mission Impossible, yeah. he's in, he's in, good, he was some in of those. Three... And I didn't see. All I think the he's Impossible. actually in the last. Have three. you seen all the Mission Impossible's? Yes. See, I haven't. I've seen like. I recently, one for some reason, three. went back watched all of them because I didn't. The only one I ever seen was the first one. Were there six? Yes, I think six is on the way. I it's think. so not a trilogy. It's a double not trilogy. When you get to six films, that's just like a slap in our face. Yeah. That's not. That's like saying not only are we not a trilogy, but we're two times not a trilogy. Yeah. So, the only one, honestly, I would count is really? like Die Hard. Could once they make the sixth movie, that could be two trilogies because like one is like young McLean and one well, is old McLean. We, you know what? Once we again, once we get to the end of the trilogy list right. and find the need to cheat, we will, we definitely, will definitely have cheat. to. Um, but you know what? Uh, oh, uh, so those, that's Simon Pegg. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about him? I don't know. Uh, they were actually. Oh, I, I wanted to mention they actually all worked together before this on a show called Spaced that was on uh, BBC. Oh, did they? Yeah. So yeah, space. It was uh, Simon Pegg was the main character right. on the show, and it was about him and uh, this other uh, this British woman. Uh, she actually is in Shaun of the Dead. Now is that when they meet a line of their doppelgangers as they're out? Yeah, trying she's, to go to the bar. She's the one he keeps running into. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's I saw. I sensed when I first saw that there was a past connection. There's, there. There's almost it's almost to a point where it's like an in joke of like. Ha, oh, look, it definitely like, is because they have matching sets yeah. on either side. They look because exactly they were the like same. the whole plot was just they were two people who uh, shared an apartment and didn't ah. really know each other and then. Okay. Became friends over time. But that's the moment in Shaun of the Dead where you see Martin Freeman as well. He's part of that line that walks right. through. That's yeah. got an equivalent cameo in the, there. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But the show Spaced is really funny. It's really ridiculous and weird. You've and seen it, it then. It, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah. Tim, it's been over a year. It's been eighteen months, Daisy. And it still hurts. Well, I didn't think Phantom Menace was that bad. So there were like two. They call them series. Okay. And not seasons. Now was Nick Frost in that as well? Uh, yeah, he plays his like uh, other than these films, army obsessed friend who's got like a little mustache and he's oh. got like this little beret and stuff and he's really funny. Very and, big, still very big, broad kind of comedy. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. He actually, I was reading a thing the other day that he was not uh, actually an actor or comedian at all. Really? He was just a waiter at a restaurant that Simon Pegg also worked at. Huh. And he was like, yo, quit this job and come be in space with me. Oh like you're fucking hilarious. You're you're just naturally hilarious, and he just jumped in and did it. And boy, yeah, love hearing those stories as an actor. Yeah, right. As a struggling actor, it's a lot of hard work. And those no, tales. some guy just was like, "You, you're the guy." He like, gets thrown into sort of the fat guy role of kind of being big and right. outrageous. You know, yeah, exactly. And like that's his whole. But other than these films, now. he really yeah he hasn't done too much. You're not going to see him spreading his wings in Hollywood yeah, here or there, here and there, but not too much. Really though. These films are most defined by the director, of course. That's why it's a director's trilogy. Yep. 
And um, that director is Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. What do you have to say about Edgar Wright? What do you think of his So he, stuff? well, he was a director on Spaced as well. Director on Spaced. And he directed all that for them. And then that was basically, they got pitched a movie, the, all of them together and made uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, but he's he's got his most latest uh, most latest most latest his latest uh, movie he oh, made Jesus. was uh, Baby Driver right which is getting a lot of uh, praise and supposedly that's one of the very good I have not seen it yet and that's one of the reasons we decided to do this particular trilogy because his name was out there he right. was sort of the, the the hottest director on our list that was working yeah. today with that film. Seems like a good time to reflect. Edgar Wright, his filming <laughs> techniques, what is he known for? I think his films are very obvious. You can tell yeah. a, 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 an Edgar Wright film immediately. A lot of quick cuts. A lot of quick cuts. A lot of little quick montages of doing, uh, you know, really kind of mundane Mundane things. actions. These yeah. action scenes oftentimes punctuated with sound, and, too. Right. So it would be like, shh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I even wrote a note to the, uh, you know, half the jokes in the movie are visual. Right. It's all framing the shot and, you know, and then repeating. There's a I, lot of repetition. You just took the words out of my mouth. His use of repetition is expert. Yeah. Not only... Um, Makes you feel, it gives you a comfortable feeling. I agree. Think, I agree. You know? Right. Yeah. Comfortable. Both joke like, and joke. I know where we are. I know exactly where yeah, we are man. based on that and one I, shot. I'm someone who likes to not... I don't like there to be any ambiguity in a film. I like to know exactly where the film is going. I mean, right. unless, of course, the point is that it's a mystery or thrill or something like that. But in right. general, I don't like there to be um, unintended or unmotivated complexity in a film. For yeah. what reason? Just to be show-offy. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I like this, that kind of repetition. Um, and then not only from joke to joke, but also in the grand scheme of things. For God's sake, that repetition is on display in The World's End. The whole point is repeating an action right. that was done as as youths. Right, exactly. So it's almost like yeah. he's saying, here is my motif, this is how I this direct, is, yeah. and I'm going to do a film right on it. Yeah. I'm going to... And music is know. a big part, you know, of of his whole thing, too. Like, really well-timed music. The right kind of music. Every one of these movies begins with, like, kind of just a noise. Mm-hmm. You know, like a faint, like, there's, like, a bell ringing, I think, for hot fuzz, like an alarm going off. Yeah, yeah. And then they all have this, like, like you know, something that starts the movie, right. and then it goes into... So it sounds like a big deal with him, too. And I, I like well-placed songs that sort of punctuate the action. Yeah. You know, we were mentioning before how every time Timothy Dalton rolls through a scene in Hot Fuzz, a right. different song is playing from his car that sort yeah. of has to do with, with what's ah, going yeah. on. It's really quite good. And there'll be, like, random songs from the 80s, and you'll be like, what is? where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, what is going on? Uh, what else can I say about... Um, Edgar Wright. I think he's got a lot of cool setups and set pieces that are really interesting as well. Yeah. And of course, these films are sort of famous for the bar as a set piece. The pub, the English pub, as a sort of enduring right. place where things get done. Characters are made and broken. Right. Legacies are lost, if you will. Yes. And then, of course, the whole deal with the fences. The fences. In all three films, <laughs> yeah, characters yeah. have trouble getting over fences, fleeing. I'm really surprised that, well, I mean, I know why, but, you know, it could have been called The Fences Trilogy, you know? Yeah, like, it really Just because been. that is the one scene that happens in all three of them. Right? In the third one, when um, when Nick Frost goes through the fence, just kind of stumbles right through it, yeah. he makes a point of turning around and looking at the camera so he can show the audience that it's him doing it and not a stunt double ever. <laughs> So it's kind of funny. And that's just a stagger crash right through the fence. It's a really good one. Yeah. Um, but I think that this uh, that Edgar Wright is great. I, I just can't yeah. say enough how impressed I was initially by Shaun of the Dead. Right. Right. It made, made all the lists. Um, Tarantino called it one of his favorite movies of the last 20 years and indeed used Edgar Wright as one of the fake trailers in the Grindhouse films that he made. Yeah. For the, uh, the Don't trailer. 
Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. ask me I'm gonna say that Shaun of the Dead for me is one of the best two or three films from 2000 on in my mind if, I, if you said to me yeah. Vin what are the best comedies from the year 2000 on that's roughly the time when I finish college you know I look at yeah. my you know look at these things in terms of the place in my life where these films happen so I right. kind of that's a segment of time that's an error for me yeah. Okay. So from 2000 I, look it's not a hard error to make 2000 the new millennium of the new millennium yeah. The best comedies. I'm putting this right up there. I might be adding the first Hangover film, which is another trilogy, of course. It's worth mentioning. Right. Um, and I might add, and this is just my taste, I might add Best in Show, the great improv okay. sort of... It's a good one. ...comedy, you know, and which honestly should have been a trilogy itself if they had stopped with Mighty Wind. They shouldn't have made any more after Mighty Wind. Yeah. They made For Your Consideration, which wasn't even really a mockumentary. It wasn't very good. And they made one for Netflix called Mascots that I haven't even seen yet. Yeah. So that's... But it should have been a trilogy because Guffman, Best in Show, and Mighty Wind are magnificent. Yeah, but what about Spinal Tap? Doesn't that not count? Not really because it's not directed by... Um, uh, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. But that's just my two cents in terms of comedies. Can you think of other comedies? I mean, I know. What's your opinion? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think comedy post-2000 has really taken, like, a dip mm. where, like, every movie is exactly the same. And and it's always, there's always a scene of everybody's got to, like, drink and stuff and, like, have this crazy party and they play a big <laughs> loud song. And it's like, I guess this was always in comedies. There's always a scene, uh, like, Animal House even. There's yeah. scenes of them all getting drunk. But it wasn't like, yeah, like, oh, get fucked up. Like, this kind of, like, bro <laughs> mentality that comedy movies kind of have now. I guess with those so. Kind of I mean, it depends. So, like, that always irks me. But, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, like, I guess people would say, like, Anchorman, right, came in at post-2000. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, Some of those Will Ferrell movies are pretty good. I like Anchorman. Yeah, um, good call. Anchorman is very strong. Good. I thought Wedding Crashers was okay. You know, okay until it gets all gooey and sappy in the last half hour. Yeah. And I think... That's a great that you mentioned that, and it's worth mentioning that that's what makes especially, especially Shaun of the Dead so good. That any comedy should have a certain degree of poignancy. The comedy should highlight something real. It doesn't have to be heavy-duty stuff. Yeah. You know, this kind of comedy, a pure comedy. Not a spoof, not a parody or a satire, a well, pure see, comedy. See, I actually, I, I almost would categorize this movie... I mean, it's definitely comedic. It's definitely a comedy, but I would also say it's more a zombie film. Like, it really is well, just a zombie movie. Well, with... they, they categorize it as a horror comedy, but to me, right. I think it's really just, it's a comedy, and it just has to do with zombies. I right. mean, it, it, we never think these characters are in, in any real danger. It's not, we're not terrified. If they're killed, it's a comedy. No one's like, the mom dies and we're sad, but it's, it's right. not the same as the end of Night of the Living Dead when the lone survivor is gunned down by the police and you're like, dear God, man. Yeah, right. You know? So I think that's it has to do with the stakes, maybe. Well, because I, 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 it's, I actually consider, like, Hot Fuzz, to me, is more just, like, a spoof than the other movies. Because the other movies feel like... No question. They're, no, that's a zombie movie. That's this you're movie, right. But that's a spoof of cop movies. Well, he, you know, it was Edgar Wright that said that he wanted to make a kind of a human story and set it in three different kind of genres of film. Yeah. So it was going to be horror, it was going to be cop, and it was going to be... Um, uh, sci-fi, I guess. Sci-fi, right? Yeah. right? So, and I think he's by and large successful. I think he really yeah. is. But I think in Shaun of the Dead, it's really done perfectly. I mean, I personally have a relationship with a stepfather. And I think the way it's kind of just worked into the action is yeah. just really quite... 
beautiful is the wrong word, but the way they're able to kind of when when he gets really emotional, he talks to the stepfather, and he yeah, you know, you feel yeah. that for a second. It's it, it doesn't take away from the humor that's surrounded until that point. Yeah. It feels very organic to the story. I loved it. Whereas by I the think time, they went to great pains to do that too, to be like, we don't want this to just be, we want to make like a real, this mm-hmm. is like a real zombie movie. This is what happens in zombie movies. There's always a tearful scene yeah, where you have to good point. kill off one of your own. I hadn't even thought about that in terms of the actual genre, that that's always kind of a part yeah. of the genre as well too. Yeah. But then, so we're both kind of onto something in that whether but it, it be, is definitely like a, a joke. I mean, but it, I wouldn't say it's a Scott, spoof, in that but. whether it be, in my opinion, a comedy or whether in your opinion, a zombie film, each of those kinds of films has that emotional moment, whether it be the poignancy that comes right. out of the comedy sure. or what you just said, uh, that kind of sad moment in a zombie film where yeah, you know, you a character you like has been bitten your, or yeah. killed off. Um, so I thought that was great in Shaun of the Dead. Um, by the time, though, we get to World's End, I feel like eh, we're pushing the poignancy a little bit. I don't know yeah. that we needed the character to have attempted suicide at the end and he's in, you know, he's an alcoholic. It's, takes yeah. on some real heaviness right before alien heads pop off and it doesn't feel I still like the movie don't get me wrong yeah but by that time I think that the char- I think that Edgar Wright if I had any criticism at all is that he's he's forcing the the idea of a trilogy on us that now this third movie as part yeah. of this trilogy just conceived after the second film after Fuzz has to fit this parameter of you know the human story right well I mean anytime you're gonna make a trilogy too the more movies you make it when you're trying to basically recreate because even that that's the one thing it has in common with other trilogies I think is he's trying to recreate in a way what was good about Shaun of the Dead sure he's trying to keep that spirit the same sense of humor that he showed in Shaun of the Dead and he you know it's ultimately successful I think throughout but I think with the third one with World's End you do find it gets a little bit like, well, I've seen that already. I've seen it for two movies. By the third one, you're like, okay, cool. Like, you know how I kind of saw it, Scott? I saw it as kind of different parts of a person's life. I don't know whether he was playing it this way, but for me, it was almost yeah. times. So for me, the Shaun of the Dead was the present. What am I doing in the present? Am I doing enough in the present, or am I just kind of meandering through life? In the second one in Hot Fuzz, it was the past. It was really the story of Nick Frost and his father, and that was really the, the drama. Right. You know, that's that human element, okay? And it was okay. Because yeah. Nick Frost is such a buffoon in that movie, it sort of takes away from that a little bit, but whatever. And yeah. by the time we get to the third one, it's the future. What's right. the future going to be in this world? Is it Well, and letting go of the past. Letting go of the past, but for the sake of the future. You right. know? So I think that you could even look at it in terms of those... I mean, maybe I'm adding something that isn't necessarily there. Maybe it isn't that heavy. But yeah. I think you can look at it in that respect. I think it's interesting in that way. Yeah, um, that is interesting. Did you have anything else about... Edgar Wright, the director, or just the connection of these three trilogies, how they go together, anything erotic for you? Erotic? I don't know why I said that. Erotic? Any zombies out there? Don't say that. What? That. What? That. The Z word. Don't say it. It, This is just about things we like about, really, the first film. Well, I I think right off the bat, the reason the movie's so good is just that it's got a great first scene that uh, is purely like an exposition scene, really. But it's Him one of the, f- through the streets, the whole no. When the when we first starts in there at the Winchester, oh. and he's, he's talking to his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then they do the reveal that Ed is there, and they reveal that uh, her friends are there. Right. 
Um, and it's this great scene that just introduces you to all the characters you're going to be spending the rest of the time in the movie with. Like in the place you're going to be spending them with. Right. So you know the location. It's you know sharp, where you're going to end up. You know these characters right off the bat. There's no sort of ambiguity. Right. It's really strong. You're right. Yeah. I was going to say. Most and of, most of the, oh, I mean, all three of these movies, I think, start with like a good like sum up of like, here's what's going Agreed. on. And then you just kind of go from I there. I love their, his set pieces. Also, that, again, that set piece where he wakes up in the morning after that night of carousing and drinking. Yeah. And walks through the streets, the zombie streets, just kind of in a daze. Yeah. Oblivious to the again, world around them. repetition, too, yeah. though, because we already saw these people mm-hmm. as if they would be standing in the exact same spot. As an increasing number of reports of attacks on people who are literally being eaten alive. This sets the dynamic now of the kind of characters they are. In this one, they're both kind of slackers. Both he and yeah. Nick Frost are both kind of slackers. Simon Pegg is kind of less a slacker. He's kind of more with it, but he's also a slacker. So the question is, what does he kind of want to do? By the time we get to Hot Fuzz, he's respectable. Nick Frost still the slacker. And right. then, of course, by the time we get to World's End, it's a complete flip Flip it around. All yeah. right. And that changing dynamic, I think, is what, I don't know, maybe seals the fate of World's End as to why it maybe doesn't rise to the level of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. They're not perhaps. as good in those other roles. I know they want to be diverse actors and try different things, but the dynamic set in Shaun of the Dead is what works best for those two guys. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, one of the things that I want uh, I would talk about about uh, all these movies yeah. is they have the a lot of these foreshadow lines. Okay. Of like lines that appear earlier in the movie that you don't even know but are going to be true yeah. later. Uh, of course, like on the rewatch, these are when you always pick these up and you're sure. like, oh, that's. I have a couple of examples. Give them to me. Oh, uh, the roommate Pete says, "You want to live like an animal? Go live in the shed." Ah, very good. And then he and then Ed says about Pete later. Next time I see him, he's dead. And then the next time I see him, he's oh, a zombie. Oh wow, nice, Scott. Very good. Also, the quickly to the uh, soccer kid, yeah, who's like kicking his ball and yeah. he like hits it into him. He just turns and goes, "You're dead." And the next time he sees him, he's a zombie. Nice, all right. I hadn't even noticed that. Well done. Yeah, I didn't even really watch Sean that I'd seen it so many times, so I wasn't really kind of hyper analyzing it at all. Very yeah. good. Very good. One of my favorite parts of that. But they movie. do that. It comes up a couple of times in the rest of the movies too, where that it's kind like, of thing. oh, they just totally. Right. I mean, it's a little more obvious once you get the hot fuzz. Listen, but. I just love when. He's trying to convince his mother that the stepfather is, is, you know, is gone. He's a zombie. He's like, this man is nothing like the man that you know. And the next shot is him turning off the loud music and, like, sighing with relief. The zombie. (laughs) Too funny. Really love it. Um, And, of course, the whole fascination with... Uh, Frost, uh, Nick Frost driving the car like like a spaz. It just what's great about Shaun of the Dead is that it it picks up a pace and it never relents. It's a fast paced fast paced comedy. Yeah. And that's but listen, there's nothing to be there's nothing wrong with a mannered comedy. I've seen comedies that have kind of a slow build to them and they're kind of funny as they go. But then a frenetic comedy like this boy, there's something to be said for just that it kind of picks you up and you're just kind of going and enjoying the entire ride. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this it's it's a tight, tight comedy, too. It's not like... I feel like most comedies, especially today, they film them and they let them just kind of improv whatever they want and they just cut together whatever's the best. And it's like... But you can feel that. You can feel that they're not realistically playing off of each oh, other because... they don't because, do that in England, my friend. It's no this whole thing where the actors get oh, to yeah. do whatever they want. They're no joke in England. That's why, as a yeah. stage director, as a director myself, I respect that tradition immensely. Yeah. Because guess what? Even when you talk to Ricky Gervais and they ask about The Office, no one improvised on that show. That was all scripted yeah. all of it 
Every single part of it was scripted. Yeah. You think that in A Fish Called Wanda, one of the best comedies ever, by far one of the best comedies of the 80s, they're improvising left and right? Absolutely not. No. Those English guys are pros. And whereas they lose something in terms of, you know, verisimilitude because of the way they speak and the, the mid-Atlantic accent and that sort of English refinement on stage, yeah. as opposed to the Brando type acting that Americans are famous for, these method actors are famous yeah. for. When you construct something as a director, boy, they do it right on the money. They do it crisp, they do tight, it, strong. But yeah, but for the most part, like even the, when you watch like the, oh, here's the outtakes, and it's like maybe 30 seconds. Those two work really well together. They're reminiscent of Gervais and Merchant. They really are. Yeah. Gervais and Merchant. Stephen Merchant in Hot Fuzz as well. A very funny part of Hot up, Fuzz, yeah. too. He's like, it's really just, it's... It's a swan. He's reporting the swan being, <laughs> He yeah. really realistically describes it. Then he says, well, it's a swan. Yeah. <laughs> it's about uh, two foot tall, um, long, slender neck. Yeah. Kind of orange and black bill. Anything else? Right. It's a swan. Um, so, yeah. But I, I think of those two, they're similar, actually. Um, in fact, Peg and Frost substituted for Gervais and Merchant on the radio show, which made Gervais and Merchant famous. No, oh, wow. In the early 2000s, they kind of subbed and did some ships with Carl Pilkington, and he oh, talked yeah. to those guys. And they're kind of, they're, they're similar. They're very similar. That English sensibility of wit, you know. Yeah. Um, but the difference, of course, is that Frost is, isn't as sophisticated as the other three guys when he talks. Even you can tell that he's, right. he's not quite as trained and polished. Yeah. I think matter, he's doing though. different accents, though, in but these movies, matter. too. But it doesn't matter. In England, the, a homeless person, a, a five-year-old child, just because of the way they're taught to speak in their transitions, sounds as intelligent as, as our, you know, college, you know, doctorates, for God's sake. Right. It's just amazing. They always sound intelligent. So he could be completely full-blown cockney, living in the gutter, Eliza Doolittle, and still sound better than our best. Yeah. You know? So, so Sean the Dead is brilliant. It made every list, every popular comedy. You and I have had a difficult time even mentioning many comedies more. You mentioned that one that could really match up to it. No. Yeah, you mentioned I mentioned a couple, but honestly, at the end of the day, this is one of the best comedies of the last twenty years. Period. Yeah, I think maybe like Wet Hot American. Is that two thousand? No, that might have been. Yeah, I think it was in the two thousands. Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, you really like that? That's another one that. Oh, I think also has like that level of. Oh, it's, it's similar. Like people like it. Someone you know? bought that for me, and I never watched it. It's pretty funny. It was when I directed that show. When I directed the show at your college, Sex AK Wieners and Boobs. I think as a thank you, they bought me that because the same actors are in it. Yeah. Right. And I just never got a chance to, to watch it. It's, it could be on. It's on the shelf behind me, my friend. Yeah. Um. But it's like a lot of, like Amy Poehler when she was like young too was in it. For me, just as a lover of film, it's a top 20 movie for me without question a top 10 comedy for me. For yeah. Me. Um, I'd, I'd say I'm close on that, those numbers. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely Maybe comedies in the 70s top, and 80s yeah. that I love, but I, a lot of those comedies are connected to my youth growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I connect them in a nostalgic way in the same way that you pervertedly like the second Back to the Future over the first one. You connect it with when you saw it. It's a nostalgic thing. Well, I noticed they, you know, doing the tip of the hat, a montage to zombie movies while trying to be also a zombie movie. Mm -hmm. They have a couple of little lines uh, from zombie movies that I noticed and I wanted to mention. Yes. Yes, good. Give them to me. Uh, When they call, when they decide to go over and go save his mom, uh, they call her on the phone and Ed grabs the phone and goes, we're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) <laughs> What's and that from? that's from Night of the Living Dead. Oh, really? Where he he's teasing 
uh, at the beginning, the two, the couple there, he's teasing her like, "Oh, they're coming to get you, Barbara." Really? Yeah. Okay. And that's like a known, like among zombie movie people, I Indeed, guess. Indeed, Romero loved uh, Shaun of the Dead so much that he put them in Land of the Dead. He's got the quote right on the the box there. Yep. And it was on they, the DVD. They, they insisted that they were, they wanted to play zombies. Originally, he didn't want them to play zombies, and they yeah. insisted on playing zombies. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, also, is Romero just recently dead? Speaking of dead. Yes. Didn't he just die? Yes, he did. He did, unfortunately. So there was also, this is kind of a quick one, but I think was supposed to be a bit of a nod. When he's talking to Pete after he finds him in the shower, and he's like, all right, Pete, we're going to go. I'm just going to borrow your car. And, you know, they're, they're like leaving. He's like, you know, we're going to go down to the pub, you know, if, if you want to join us. And like does that little and join us as in Evil Dead. They constantly are like join us, join like being oh, taken yeah. over. And like that's from Evil Dead because yeah. I haven't seen all the Evil Deads. They say join us there. Yeah. Oh really? You hear like it's like a deep like join us. Oh, all right. Yeah. Good. I like you calling back any trilogy. Anytime one of our trilogies has to do with another trilogy, it must be mentioned, my friend. That's all I had. If you wanna. Nope, that's good. Let's move on to Hot Fuzz. Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. We both enjoyed Shaun of the Dead. It's a top film. It's considered amongst both critics and the general public to be one of the best comedies in a long, long time. Yeah. Okay. Hot Fuzz, I don't know anybody would say that. I mean, it was it. it they, ranked I mean, high there's a the, big community of people who really like Hot on Fuzz. The, in the Rotten Tomatoes world, it's ranked high. All three of these movies are ranked high. Yeah. But we're not here to glad hand and hand job the people that say one thing. Yeah. All right? We're here to be critical and to really analyze these films. That being said, I also like Hot Fuzz, too. I'm yes, I like Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I mean... Hot Fuzz is very funny. Don't confuse it, as I have many times, with the movie Super Fuzz, a little-known 80s cop film starring Ernest Borgnine. Super um, Fuzz. And don't confuse it with the movie um, Zapped, either, because of the Z's. Mm. Zapped is a Scott Bayo film from the 80s where he has telekinetic powers and uses them only to take off women's clothes for no other reason. I, I don't think there was ever a danger that I was going to mix Hot Fuzz up with either of those movies. Okay. Because I've never even heard of either of those movies. Oh, was that supposed to be some kind of slam on that I'm older than you? Okay, fine. You no, Scott it wasn't Bayo, supposed though, to be you? a slam. I'm just you know saying Scott Bayo, it's though, not right? realistic to think that I would... It's for the public who aren't familiar. Fuzz is not used a lot, first of all, in movie titles. Neither are Z's. All right, let's move on. I guess. No. I think Hot Fuzz of all these films has the most most banter, is the most verbal wit of all the three films. I can assure you it wasn't my intention to upset the apple cart. Yeah. Because we all sell apples around here, don't we? Your dad sells apples, Andy. I'm raspberries. In watching these movies, you say to yourself, I've seen like all these people in Harry Potter somewhere. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen all the Harry Potter films. I'm more of a book than film Harry Potter guy. You know, I'm embarrassed I even just use that expression. Okay, so... What book? No, that I even said I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a book Harry Potter guy rather than a film Harry Potter guy. That kind of hyphenation involving guy, Harry Potter... So you probably wouldn't me. enjoy, like, going to uh, Universal Studios and going to the Harry Potter world and Well, I mean, stuff. what what is it, a bunch of stores? I get, I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's I feel like it's cool, a bunch of fucking shops there. Mostly, mostly okay, stores. Okay, so what do we, I gotta go, I gotta pay You can money? have, like, butterbeer, you can buy yourself a wand. Okay, what, I, I, do I push a button and the wall fucking opens up? Is that how I get in, just like the book? 
No. No, all right. So I'm in the stupid streets and what? They have a thing where Bully it looks like you're shop? walking through the wall in the train station, but it's really kind of lame. See, man, you don't be fooled. But the train ride, there's a train ride that they takes you... just want your money so you can buy a plane. Whatever, Hogsmeade wand. Station or whatever the hell Is the... there a roller coaster through the troll bank yeah. underground? There yeah. should be. There yeah. better yeah. be. Yeah. They I didn't even know about it. I just guessed it Escape from Gringotts, it's called. You know what? You're not going to sell me on it, okay? It's pretty cool. I haven't been to Disney since I was in eighth grade. It was Universal. Whatever the hell, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shut up. Um, another cool repetition thing, the whole mugshot thing. Yeah. Both in the beginning. Every, they, they keep doing it in that same way, that same style, that quick cut style with the, the hard the music, sounds. Yeah. I really love that. Um, what did you think of Timothy Dalton? <laughs> I think he's pretty funny because he's the one who has all the foreshadowing language, basically going, I'm the bad guy, right. like, every I think time. They, that's, that's the goof. Right. And then, of course, you know, the twist being that, and he talks that like it's not just him. There's the entire many. time. Yeah. Like, yes, very yeah. good. <laughs> well. Like, he says, uh, what is the one? The, My prices are criminal. Catch me later. And, like, runs away. Like, <laughs> gotta, so he's the bad guy. Like, I gotta tell you, I, I'm, like, I'm not going to lie. I've never seen a Timothy Dalton Bond so I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything, and he's the, pretty funny. The hairdresser was what was that one movie he was in with he's Fran? A with Fran Drescher, he was in a movie. Oh, the beautician, the beautician and the beast. And the beast. That's it. That's him. You know, that I didn't I see seen. that at the time. It's I, a good movie. Really, I liked it. Big Fran Drescher fan, are you? No, not Loved really. Her in the so nanny. I was very surprised that I even liked that movie. And as much as these are pop culture movies and mention pop culture, indeed, I believe these movies exist in our world. You know, right? I mean, these characters are his characters. Okay, they're um, definitely Edgar Wright's characters, but they exist kind of in our world. Yeah. And that's why you have references to the Lethal Weapon in this movie, Die Hard, Point Break, which is directly referenced. Yeah. Okay, same Multiple thing as times. Bad Boys 2. Yeah. Um, I think this shot where... You ain't never seen Bad Boys 2. But at the end, right, when the plane flies over them and they both look up in the wind, that's a direct shot for shot. Yeah, spoof. and they're like spinning around them. Right, and that's yeah, Bad Boys exactly. 2. And I think when yeah. they're all wet... That's a take on Lethal Weapon. I think so, yeah. Yeah, when he's all, the whole thing takes place at the end. Yeah. Do you have uh, anything for me, Scotty? Yeah. Uh, my favorite line of the whole movie, cracks me up every time, is, uh, A great big bushy beard. My favorite line in the entire movie. Because he has that setup where he's like, he's like, yeah, but it, you know, you're predecessor had something that you don't have oh that's right and he's like yeah and what's that like, a great big bushy beard <laughs> that's right and then you get the repeat of it later when he's finding all the bodies and there's the one with the huge beard, beard. you just hear a great big that's, bushy beard that whole thing when you see those bodies later and look you got the living statue who's totally fine <laughs> yeah he's the next one Does after the like bushy beard people? are there really people out there that are like you know, Maud, I went up to New York City and I saw a living statue at the South Street Seaport. It was uncanny. It was like he was a statue, but he was just a person standing The son still. of a bitch was the, didn't he move the entire himself. time. He was just like the Statue of Liberty. Liberty. He looked like he'd been dipped in gold. <laughs> dipped in gold and I gave him a $5 bill. I gave him two. <laughs> he earned it. He earned it. I was going to say that too. He earned it. <laughs> All right, so that yeah, so that callback at the end when you see the grave, when you see yeah. the bodies, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe I because of the purge, I still have the running man in my head, but it's not so. Oh different yeah, than where he Whitman, finds all the Bryce what? and Haddad, yeah. and you hear Richard Boyd, Dawson's voice go, Whitman, corpse of his face, Bryce mm. and Haddad, and later Marina Conchita Alonso goes, Whitman, Bryce, Haddad, they were all killed. <laughs> I don't know. I'm all about the running man. I need to rewatch that movie. Whitman. Price and Adan. 
You remember them? Whitman, Price, and Haddad. Not a trilogy. That's okay. That's okay. We only have resentment towards movies of more than three. Not you got less. some. Uh, you got some Game of Thrones people. In Hell this yes, movie. we do. And of, got, cor- uh, of course, of course, of course, the Hound, the Sandor Clegan, is playing. Clegan, uh, I believe they sorry. called him Lurch. Yeah, they called him Lurch Michael. Yarp. Is his name in the show? Um, yeah. You know what? I got to tell you. As soon as I saw Game of Thrones, I recognized him. Really? I did. I was like, See, that was one of those ones that someone pointed out to him, like, holy shit. Those were one of the ones where I saw him and I was like, I have seen that guy before. I had to think about it hard and then it clicked. And I was like, son (laughs) of a bitch, he was in. And I'd I'd only seen this movie twice maybe at that point. Yeah. He's got a very distinctive, like, upper lip, I feel like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something about, like, his face right in this general area is like the, oh, that's the connection. I read that that actor Rory McCann or whatever is, like, known for being a nomad and not not sleeping (laughs) in a place more than one time. So he's literally just the hound. Travels around. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, you said Game of Thrones. Also, I'd like to mention that... um, I love their version of Romeo and Juliet in this film. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. I think every version of Romeo and Juliet should end in the song Love Me, Love Me. <laughs> yeah. I think that is a brilliant choice from the director's perspective. <laughs> and that shows you exactly how much I care about and respect Shakespeare. That I'm like, tag that fucker right on. I'm completely happy with it. Poison! I'll kiss thy lips. One of my favorite moments that I laughed out, it's so stupid and so small and so quick, but it's the same way like, you know, Naked Gun or Airplane has like these tiny little jokes that Mm -hmm. crack me the fuck up where you almost don't even notice them the first time you've seen, you know, the movie. Sure. But he goes up to, uh, he sees her through the window and at the house at the beginning when he's going to talk to his girlfriend to Kate Blanchett and he walks in and walks up and is like, uh, you know, Janine, I think we need to talk. I'm not Janine. He just turns immediately, walks up. I know. Janine, I think we need to. I like you this know, like, That felt like a naked gun thing. Yeah. yeah. It definitely did. Um, <laughs> just the fact that they're all wearing those little masks. So it's And like, that scene was very naked gun-esque. Yeah. Crime scene, you know. Right. So, yeah, it did have that spoofy quality, that kind of. Yeah, for that sure. same kind of thing that we saw in um, Austin Powers, where the comedy comes away from the story and is its own thing for a second. I don't yeah. think you can say that about the first and the third movie here. I think you can say that about this one. Finally, World's End, Scotty. Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 pints. <laughs> Steady on your balcony. Yeah, it's kind of like when I was done watching it, and this is only really like the second time I've ever seen it. I've only seen it twice as well. Yeah. I didn't like it the first time. Yeah, I, I, I liked I thought it more it was, the second I, time. I remember being like, oh, that was okay. I laughed, you know, it me was too. funny. But this time, it kind of like made me sad. Hmm. At the end of the movie, where I was like, it's kind of just like a, it's kind of a sad movie because you're talking about this guy's, you know, a drug addict. Yeah. The whole time he's literally doing drugs and you shit, really and then you find out he was suicidal. He over, like overdoses, they say, or he was ODing, and that's why Nick Frost injured himself or whatever. But like, to, he's not really. A, he doesn't do any drugs during the movie. He smokes a pot. I mean, he does in the when they get pulled over, he does that. Oh fuck, fuck, fuck! And he's like, oh right, I did it all in the the bathroom. But yeah, I didn't even really think of that until uh, it was actually my brother brought it up to me and said what. Uh, he was like, he was like, no, it's a movie, like the, it's like a movie about addiction. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. I think this whole movie is just his feeling at the time, Edgar Wright. It feels like the trilogy ending. For I sure. agree, hundred percent. I think he's saying to himself, "I need to grow up." I, it doesn't doesn't even really seem like it's like 
you know, I need to grow up. Or grow, but, like, definitely being like, oh, I've moved on and we've moved on as mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, adults. We're not just, like, kids fucking around. I guess It's so. the jump of, like, going Sticks from dicking around and trying to be funny to being, like, we're legitimate. Like, yeah, how I did that right. happen? You know, we still doing the same stuff. We're the leaders now. We're the adults. Right. We're the but brothers. not trying to chase and do what you did 10 years ago. Uh, uh, trying to do something a little bit different. You no, that's know? a good point. That's a good point. So I think I, I, you can feel that though in the movie and it does. So it's like in a way yeah, right. it does have a good finality as a trilogy because they certainly worry. Uh, like, it like, definitely, it puts a cap on this trilogy. Fine. Yeah. He does a good job you know, since he's conceived it as a trilogy right before making this film, he makes it work as a trilogy in the choices he makes. Right. It's definitely a tighter film than Hot Fuzz, all right? It's definitely yes. a tighter film than Structure. Yeah. But I think it's... It's more plot-driven than it is... But it's not... To me, it's not quite as good because there aren't nearly enough funny peripheral characters, which I think make Hot Fuzz so good. Well, because, I mean, the, the second movie is sort of the ensemble cast is the townspeople. Right. Whereas in the first and the third one, the ensemble cast is your main group that you're following. Everybody else is sort of the enemy. In the first one, you have the whole supernatural aspect and the supernatural, but every, everything, everyone's against them. Right. In the second one, you have a big secret, but it's human. Right. This is a combination of the two things in that yeah, everyone is against them by the end of the movie. Right. It's got a supernatural quality because it's aliens, but there's a big secret like in the second one that everyone's keeping from. Right. There's so a it's twist. sort of a combination of the two things. You don't even really know what the thing really is. You know until, what I mean? Like, until like well alien... into the movie. I mean halfway through the movie. Then right. suddenly they're attacked in the bathroom and as funny as that fight is, and it's a funny fight in the bathroom with yeah. all of them, you're like, what? Aliens? I, I was getting comfortable with just the story. I'm not going right. to lie to you. yeah. In the same way that in the movie from Dusk Till Dawn, I was, exactly. getting, I was yeah. getting very comfortable with just the kidnapping. Like, oh, vampires? It's, what? It's like no. makeup vampires. They're all very movie-esque looking vampires. Yeah. It's, Tom Savino. I mean, I like both halves of that movie, but they're two different movies. Exactly. Like, yeah. So it's that kind of thing where you're like, oh, it's aliens. It's funny, though, that they have blue. And it's funny that they have, like, action figure type heads that kind of pop off and yeah. shatter. I mean, it's funny. That's sweet. When later he tells them to fuck off to Legoland. Well, these these movies are more witty, I think, than they are funny. You don't have huge laugh-out-loud moments in the same way that you do Sean, of course. But even, even Hot Fuzz has some really big laugh-out-loud moments. Here, it's witty. It's kind of yeah. wry in some places. It's funny. Uh, the funniest moment is when Nick Frost decides to get drunk. And he says, he recounts the plan to the rest of the room, and he goes, oh, fuck it, and just kind of smashes his hand and body through the door as he tries to leave. <laughs> yeah. and just feel It's so <laughs> haphazardly, and his body gets smashed. That's the funniest moment for me. Gary thinks we should keep up with the crawl, because they know what we're doing, but they don't know that we know what they're doing. And basically, no one else has a better idea. So fuck you. But I wrote, you know, the heady, heavy-handed in message. Um, bathroom fight is great. And, I, you know, I don't really particularly care for the end of the movie that it's like you know we get into this uh post-apocalyptic uh you know world where i'm like well what was the lesson though you mean that part all the way when he's telling the story yeah because i think that the talking goes on too much between the alien explaining things you never want to explain something in a movie i get it it comes out halfway through the movie what's going on so we're like what the fuck is happening someone explain it to us yeah i actually had a funny thought uh that i was like oh shit well that can't be true but um my theory is that none of the movie actually happens and like it could just be he killed himself and this is his 
figuring it out because he becomes like the king in his I guess so. story at the end, and you it goes through this some whole crazy thing. Theory that you've come up with. I don't know. It was just something that clicked with me where That's I was like, good, oh, maybe he didn't make it, or maybe he's in a coma, or he's still, you know what I mean? Like, I guess we see him talking at group therapy though. Right, so, but then like from there, when he mentions well, the pub crawl, it would that really be part of the story if it was just a. a, a a death version or whatever, he's dead. It would start with a pub crawl. It wouldn't start with the, the fucking group, you know. Yeah, I don't know. So, the post-apocalyptic thing makes no sense that it was like, oh, yeah, all the power went out. More post-apocalyptic action for Why? us. Why? Why is this the ending to this movie? I don't understand. And this wasn't, I don't know if this is done on purpose, because they say this is a sci-fi movie, that he wanted to make a sci-fi movie, but yeah. how much of this is really a sci-fi movie? Not much. Right. You know? Yeah. We have the old <laughs> escaping a shockwave thing. Yeah, that explosion, shockwave, whatever it be, you can always just drive away fast enough and somehow escape it. Yeah. Naturally, you could go online and find out that these shockwaves are like a thousand miles an hour. It's like uh, <laughs> the fucking day after tomorrow where they're right. running from cold. It's <laughs> just like, oh no, cold is coming. No, no, it's like deep impact when they're running up up the hill from the water level rising. Yeah. And it's like, climb the hill! Climb, climb the mountain faster! faster. Climb. Get on your motorbike and climb that mountain <laughs> as the water level rises. Hold on, Jack. Are you suggesting these weather anomalies are going to continue? Not just continue. Get worse. I feel bad for Phil. I do, because his life is hard, and so yeah. I wanted to kind of give him a break this time around. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been it's just been horrible for him the last few times. Bills have piled up, and he's sending us, like, bills, hospital bills. Yeah, and, I mean, I've been throwing them away. Right in the trash. Yeah. I don't even... Sure. The point is, give him a break, send him to England, and all I want him to do in England, in London, is buy this ice... What's the, the brand name of the Cornetto... The three flavors, spelled with a U. Of course. Three flavors, Cornetto Trilogy. He's going to buy a Cornetto ice cream cone. Oh, that's nice. I'll have a nice ice cream But I told him to record every step of the journey for us. Okay, I want to hear everything from the moment he receives this instruction till the time that he eats that glorious ice cream. It's like an in-depth report. What else does he have to do otherwise? You know? Yeah. What else does he have to do? I mean, he could eat ice cream at home, I guess, but... Could he, though? Well, he could get a king cone. You couldn't get a Cornetto, but... Specialty shop. You're really ruining this for me, Scott, okay? No, I think it's better this way. It's more authentic, All right. sending him there. So, here's what we got from Phil in okay. London. Hey, gang, this is Phil with the Trilogy Podcast, and I am on the way to foggy London town. <whistles> Step on it, cabbie. <laughs> I'm in the middle seat, but I'm in the plane! Hello. And now I've just paid for my first Cornetto in London. Pip-pip cheerio, sir. <laughs> well, here goes. Oh my god. So good. Oh yeah, it's just like the one in America, but it's got that British feel. Guys, thank you so much. This is so great. Oh my god. Ah! Ah! My brain! Feel better, Phil. Yeah. Feel better. I hope his flight's okay back. Scott, what do you think? We're wrapping this bad boy up now. The Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. Is it a successful trilogy? I think I think it is a successful trilogy. I agree. Uh, I think, and certainly because of the uniqueness of it being three completely different uh, stories and characters with the same people, it's hard to judge them in an order really because they're, they're it's not a continuing story completely three different movies the narrative isn't isn't a continuation at all so it's hard to kind of put them in that framework and give them a rank 
Exactly. So it's really just taking three movies and saying which one do you like the most. Right. And so I would say, I would have to say it's a one, two, three for me. Yeah, I'm going to agree. A strong trilogy and really the very definition of a director's trilogy. That's why we started with this film as our first yeah. director's trilogy. It's a very it's good of, example. It's the best example of it, you know? Um, it really shows off the director specifically. We really get a sense of the kind of director Edgar Wright is, somebody to, to keep an eye out yeah. for in the future uh, with this um, baby driver. Baby driver, big you big know, deal. Going to keep an eye out for it. But no, his comedy is definitely worth watching. And again, it shows, these three films show what he can he do. He was also actually, throw this in here, he was supposed to be uh, doing Ant-Man when Ant-Man came out, he he was originally writing and going to direct his own Ant-Man. Just couldn't get through the podcast without mentioning a superhero. Well, I wanted That's, to, I wanted end, to the, mention... The last thing you're saying is... Because then he left Ant-Man. the production and decided he didn't want to direct anymore. What? But I believe they still used no. his script, oh, okay. and the movie still has a Edgar Wright feel Would you say it, it does? I still think it has... It does, you can right. te- You can tell his fingerprints have been on it. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll so I thought that. that was, you know, something... Oh, God. Ant-Man. You know. All right. Another thing to his credit. I feel it needs enough. to be thrown in there. All right. Have a good one. This has been Vin. This has been Scott. And Scott, remind everyone of the uh, the email. I still, again, I haven't checked the email. Feedback ever. at TrilogyPodcast.com. Send us your feedback. At some point, I'm going to check this email. And so help me God, when I do, I will read what you have to say. It's and I will be. mention it in an upcoming podcast. I swear I will. Or we'll do a chill bit based only on the feedback. All yeah. right? Disagree with us. There's nothing I want more than to get into a verbal altercation with one of my fans. I don't I don't want that. All right, have a great day folks. Okay, bye.